0: The cat
1: Unpack your knives and stay. Yes, stay. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Top Crier Podcast. I am the Top Crier, Haley Strong. I cry in every episode of Top Chef, the show we're talking about. Kurt Clark is here with me today to talk about me crying and also the show top chef. Was
2: this a crying
1: episode? I cry in every episode.
2: Right. But I mean, compared to last week's.
1: No, compared to last week, this was like, uh, you know, the Edinburgh Comedy
2: Festival. That's a very specific comedy festival. Is it because (laughs) cheddar cheese is Irish? Is it? (laughs) I'm making that up now.
1: (laughs) I thought it was more of like an English thing
2: yeah okay
1: okay right, wait right. let, okay let me do a quick google okay tell us how you are and i'm gonna do a google of what the origins of cheddar cheese are
2: um i am doing great um seems like most of the things that uh maybe i'm just thinking of Kerrygold. gold by the way that's, yeah that's, which that's, is more better but, that um, is irish yeah um and they do make a cheddar um no, I'm doing well, except I, most of the things I, I feel like as a taking up time on a podcast, just kind of rambling on my by, on my own. I kind of want to talk about food, but we don't do that till the end. So uh, happy Father's Day to uh, those who uh, celebrate. And yeah,
1: to those who don't. Happy Sunday. Um, cheddar is a variety. OK, so this is from culturecheesemag.com slash story slash blog slash sharp dash stories dash origin dash cheddar. Backslash. Sounds legit. (laughs) Cheddar is a variety variety that most cheese connoisseurs know and love, or at least can appreciate. In the U.S., it's the second most popular cheese just behind mozzarella. So how did cheddar come to be and how has it continued into one of the most popular cheeses for centuries? Cheddar has a long history dating back to the 12th century in the community in Somerset, England. Its namesake, Cheddar Village, is a small town with gorges and caves that farmers used to keep cool or milk cool on hot days. The myth behind the cheddar is that a milkmaid forgot about a pail of milk in one of the caves. When she returned, she discovered the milk had hardened into the perfect golden goodness that we know and love today.
2: Mm, golden goodness, folks. Though, I thought that we've learned that they add color that cheddar is naturally white. Like I, thought, I, th-
1: I thought I also heard that, or I heard that, I thought they said in the episode that in England where it originates, it is white, but it's something.
2: I, and they even we saying like, this is something I, th- I thought, I, this is something I thought I knew going into the episode. And then in the episode they'd said, they were questioning like, well, is is white cheddar and yellow cheddar the same, except just without the coloring added And the, and a Liam the 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 cheesemonger uh said uh yes, basically.
1: What's what's this place called again? Tillamook? Till umok cheese. Okay. Is that like a popular cheese brand in the US? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Yes it is. I it's a name I definitely recognized.
1: Um, what's your favorite do they only do cheddar? Uh, it sounded like it, didn't it?
2: Yeah, and they and they they saw there were some awards on the wall. Like they they did a, they won some awards for like a Colby cheese, which I think is just a variation on cheddar.
1: Yeah, they have uh, a Colby Jack. They also yeah. have some yogurt oh. and cream cheese. Um, what's your favorite kind of cheese?
2: I uh, this may be a little bit, a bit of a sneak preview on some of the food I had this week.
1: Interesting. Um, I
2: actually really like a gorgonzola. Nice. Especially like if I'm just having a cheese by itself, yeah, I like a good chunk of cheddar. But in terms of like pairing with things, I like a blue or a gorgonzola or a good, and then goes down to like goat cheeses. Um, You like
1: a very pungent cheese?
2: Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm surprised we didn't do a cheese podcast last uh, summer uh, one of my friends just listened to our pizza podcast with you me and Josh for the first time uh, over this past week and was, he was texting me about it and he there was something he said about um, I just got a text out of the blue and it said uh, tell Josh that uh, pizza is not defined by intent I'm like did you I actually I actually put two and two together pretty quickly did you I, thought of. I was like did, did you listen to the pizza podcast from last summer? I was like, yeah. And then he said, um, he referenced, uh, it was like, hey, it was like something about Haley slash Jennifer or Haley slash something. And I was like, it's Haley. And he's like, no, no, no. Like there was like a, a waitress got her name wrong or something. And like it was like another story that we told. It wasn't Jennifer, what that was it. Yeah, let me go back to the text message. He said, "Yeah,
1: tell me about this. <laughs> this, is,
2: this is this is interesting to the both of us, uh, and that's all." Um, because the, once
1: I podcast about something, like it completely uh, goes out of my brain. I have no idea what I've said.
2: Yeah, that that's pretty much tracks with me too. Um, do you have a favorite cheese? As I'm looking for this, message?
1: I do. It's Swiss. I I yeah. go hard for Swiss. Um, I. I am a big fan of just eating cheese straight up. Like I don't need anything else. I could, I have a nice snacking cheese. Some of my favorite breakfasts include just slice and slice cheese and like eating an apple with peanut butter. Um, I just, I really love cheese. It's a great time for me. I love a brie, which I will eat warm or cold. My grandmother made some excellent blackberry jelly like last year. And I've just, every time I have brie, I just slap that stuff on it.
2: Um, Haley slash Jessica, he referred to you as oh, Haley. I like, I like referring to her original name before she got named after a pizza waitress. That's yeah. what it was. You were almost, I, named-
1: I was supposed to be named Jessica. That is, that is true. Um, and then my parents, it, for the new listeners, my parents went to Pizza Hut one day and their waitress's name was Haley and they liked that better. So here I am. Um, anyway. yeah. Well, I, I, we never did a cheese podcast. I'm guessing because after we did the pizza podcast. You were very, very ill. So I don't think we ever wanted to go back to the well of like one singular food ever again. Oh, there's like pizza's
2: pizza for the most part. That's like with cheese, with cheese, like there's so it's it's usually. It's not not like
1: we would try and eat 700 cheeses in the span of a week. Well, I mean, you would. Yeah. You would. Um, You're committed. You're committed to the bit.
2: I would try to make, um, I would try to make. Every meal incorporate cheese. But the thing is, it's like, it's like pizza is like your meat. Like that's what you're eating. Yeah. With, with cheese, it could be like, you know what? I had a really good goat cheese and beet salad. Mm-hmm. Or you maybe have like a slice of cheesecake. Oh, uh,
1: kill me. You, I love cheesecake. You know, have like
2: a something stuffed with or covered with cheese, but yeah. it's, it's not just going to be, I mean, technically like pizza is an amalgam of things. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, I guess yeah. that makes
1: sense. Is pizza a casserole?
2: I've had people refer to deep dish pizza as oh, okay. a casserole.
1: Yeah, that's and, that seems strange to me,
2: and not as a pizza. Like I, when I say my favorite pizza is deep dish, they go, "That's not pizza. That's casserole." What's your favorite pizza? I'm like, shut up.
1: Um, our friend Kirsten McInnes has a theory that all foods are either soup or sandwiches. Is pizza a soup or sandwich?
2: It would be soup. a sandwich? It would be a sandwich because it's like oh. multiple things layered on top of each other.
1: Maybe. I thought it would maybe be a soup because there's like that saucy element. Well, a deep dish pizza would be soup.
2: Um, I could see a deep dish pizza more being a soup. I see the saucy element of the pizza yeah. or normal pizza being more of a condiment than the Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't totally agree with that. I don't think everything's a pizza. A super uh, sandwich, but I do think burgers are sandwiches.
2: Oh, yeah, they are.
1: But, are, but is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, yes. If you separate the bun so that they don't connect?
2: Well, no. Is it a
1: sub? It's I think subs pizza, are sandwiches.
2: Yeah, it's a, i say hot dogs are uh, a subcategory of subs. <laughs> no pun <intended>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, Our new t-shirts coming out never. Unless you want to make it yourself, is that's just a subcategory on it.
2: Yeah. Um, subcategory is
1: is, <laughs> is Top Chef. Can, can you believe that this is a Top Chef podcast? We've been talking yeah. for nine minutes, and I think I've mentioned Top Chef two times
2: because we jumped right to the cheese, but we kind of overlooked the whole Oregon Trail of it all.
1: Yeah, um, tell me what you know about the Oregon Trail. I'm Canadian. This isn't in our um, Our uh, history units?
2: (laughs) Courses. Uh -uh. Uh, Yeah, okay. Um, You know what? I actually don't know a whole lot about the Oregon Trail. And I don't know. I can't remember. Um, Is it because
1: you're not from Missouri or Oregon?
2: uh, I don't think so, because like my US history teacher was amazing, uh, but we focused a lot on the Civil War. Like, I think that was also his like. Favorite topic to teach. Um, I'm just trying to remember if we may have learned about the Oregon Trail. Uh, It just may also be that I'm so far out of high school that I forgot about it. I'd say when you when when the first the first thing I do think of when I hear Oregon Trail is video game and dysentery. Um, Yeah,
1: or like Aubrey on that one episode of Survivor Co Wrong, which is funny because they talked about Survivor Co Wrong in the Survivor Throwback this week.
2: Yeah. I think I just, I just listened to that reference either today or yesterday.
1: I am. Uh, yeah, I am. Let me look. I am how many minutes I am into this podcast. I'm so close to the end. I am three hours and 50 minutes and 36 seconds into this podcast. I have one hour and six minutes and 35 seconds left to go.
2: I'm four hours and one minute into it. So we're almost right. Oh, at the spot. so
1: close. Yeah. Like I have, I'd, I'd say I have two more walks. Of this podcast,
2: yeah, yeah, I've been I've been listening like to an hour a day, like at at, at double speed. So I have. Oh, that's
1: oh, see, I I can't listen to things at double speed. So it takes it literally takes me a whole week to listen to these podcasts. It's like the only podcast I'm consuming throughout the week because it takes me so long.
2: Yeah, I'm falling behind. Thanks. I don't watch the
1: season. Do you watch the season along with it? No. Yeah, I don't. It took it. We did after I did the Survivor Africa podcast. Ethan really wanted to watch Survivor All Stars. Um, so we watched that. Ooh, that is a tough hang. Um, well, that's the
2: bottom ten, isn't it? I believe. I
1: I don't know. I have to go back. I really do have to go back. And I this is <laughs> I this have is the bad list
2: because I'm like the person that did all the stuff. So
1: true. I listened to the couple like before mine, so I knew what to expect. I really should go back and listen to all of them. It was just like a lot of
2: number twenty-four out of forty.
1: Yeah, number
2: twenty-four. Eh? Hmm. What do you think? So you did other so like when you hear Oregon Trail you automatically think I think the video game. And, not okay. that I
1: don't like I when she referenced that on Corong oh. like I definitely had heard that before. I don't know if I personally played it. Like I think it might have just been either not as prevalent in Canada because it didn't really have to do with us or it was just a couple years out of my realm.
2: Hmm. If I think like when I think of like long, like marches the, or the, you know, the first thing the I don't, th- so my mind goes to the trail of tears before I go to Oregon trail in terms of uh, like arduous journeys, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but that's more about uh, indigenous American forced displacement uh, versus, you know, settlements and uh, well, whatever the Oregon trail is about. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, uh, so
1: they are our top chef friends are going on a trip. But first, they're going to do one last quick fire in their top chef kitchen. Um So they had to create a dish using only ingredients settlers would have had on the Oregon trail. They couldn't go to the pantry at all for this. They had to use what was in front of them.
2: Like They couldn't use oils, but they could use lard. Like they had citric. I think that they, they citric acid, acid, acid no like
1: lemons or anything yeah. they had some herbs but there like a little pop up in the Chiron that said like herbs weren't used for food they were used for medicine
2: yeah which I thought was really interesting um I was trying to remember all like the different er- herbs that they had but it was um it, it yeah it was like and the, and the meat had to pretty much be like you know Dried or hard tack. Like they couldn't, there's, you couldn't basically guarantee that you're going to have anything fresh because there was like so limited opportunity to get things along the way. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, this was, I didn't think I was going to, (laughs) I didn't think I was going to enjoy this much. I remember back in elementary school, we went to, it it was like a wilderness camp mm-hmm. where I think it was just like one day and you had to like live like, like pioneers. Um, so like, like a
1: pioneer village. I think we have one kicking around here somewhere.
2: Kind of. Yeah. But this was at a local camp and some of our teachers had set it up. Um, and so it was like, you did like candle dipping. Okay. That's
1: cool. <laughs> did you churn butter?
2: You, yes there was butter churning too yeah. thank you yes did
1: you like did you use a loom to make your own spread
2: no but there was um uh the spinning of yarn and not like spinning yeah. yarns like telling tales but there was like the <laughs> spindle and the flannel mm-hmm. on the wool and we didn't actually have to shear the sheep um but yeah yeah this is all coming back to me um yeah, it was but it was it was interesting. I wasn't I wasn't sure what was going to come out of this because I was like, oh, there's gonna be probably a lot of fish. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we know how Kurt feels about just fish, but there was interesting fish, which is the cure for Kurt's fish boredom. So Okay,
1: interesting. So Jamie won, she she had pan seared salmon with walnut pepper sauce. Allegedly she got an advantage in the elimination challenge. what was that?
2: Um, not entirely sure.
1: Yeah, I feel like I don't know what it was. <laughs> oh
2: no, no, she got the thirty minutes. She got the thirty minute bonus of extra cooking time in the. 11th oh, okay. yeah, Sorry, cool, I, cool. I remember that from my my rewatch today. Um, yeah, unlike the last one with the black box episode, uh, where I'm from Top Chef France, where I was like. Oh, what did they actually win here? But yeah, Jamie won an extra thirty minutes, which I think she spent helping the other chefs.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll, like, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, Shoda was in the bottom with his jerky cured salmon with parsnip and apricot puree. I liked the where he was going with this. Um, I thought it was fun that he like tried to, I uh, tried to make the bread like salmon and breading with jerky, but it didn't quite work out for him. Dawn was also in the bottom with her trail ride porridge with fire roast curry squash and hazelnut bacon relish. This didn't look good to me um, when she said she was like making the, oh, the fish, fish into layer? the porridge. I was like not for me, thank you.
2: Would you say this didn't look, you mean like visually appealing?
1: Visually and Conceptually? soundly. Conceptually? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, how do you make porridge sexy? I mean, like you, don't. you don't. I mean, it's I recently,
1: not recently. I'd say probably 2 months ago, I got this new oatmeal from Quaker. Do you guys have Quaker? Or is yes. that a Canadian? Okay, cool. Um
2: and The Quakers, I, I believe, were American.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I um Although right. they came over
2: before America was founded technically, so I don't know what how anyway, go ahead.
1: Uh I got a chocolate and sea salt Oatmeal, interesting. Which I thought was going to be great, but it was very salty. Mm. So I don't really want like a super salty breakfast. Maybe uh, no, no, I don't want salt. I don't want salty porridge. I think that's it. No, I don't no, no, want no. salty
2: porridge. I have a salty protein. Like if it's and well,
1: yeah, but I, if I have bacon, I need yes. to dip it in maple syrup because I need to balance out that incredible saltiness.
2: Is be- no, that's, that's your Canadian DNA.
1: That's
2: true. Yeah. Um, I was just looking cause I was curious. The Donner party, uh, followed the Oregon trail. Um, oh yes. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was curious cause that could have taken an interesting turn for available ingredients. Um, Oh no. Oh no. But it turns out that they're, uh, they actually, uh, were slow. They elected to follow a new route off the Oregon trail called the Hastings cutoff. Um, Apparently, that was not a good idea. Mm-mm. So uh, avoid the Hastings cut off. That story
1: uh, I have heard.
2: Yes. Man.
1: Um. Gabe made uh, campfire trout with Oregon trail salsa matcha. This looked delicious and would be something I would genuinely order.
2: That was impressive looking. Yeah. That was like, here, yeah, I'm going to take the fish and just completely like unroll it. and uh, That was impressive looking. I think of the four, though, in, I was actually torn between Jamie's and Dawn's. The Jamie's walnut pepper sauce sounded amazing.
1: Yeah, it uh, did.
2: Yeah, I like, I, I like I, a good pan-seared salmon. But the but then just the, I actually would have tried the porridge. They're between the the squash, the hazelnut bacon relish. Um, been very, very I, I think
1: if she just said screw the porridge and made the fire roasted curry squash with that hazelnut bacon relish, I think that would have been a winner. Like that sounds delicious. It sounds simple.
2: Maybe if you had then had like the fish could have still gone with that as well, potentially. Yeah. Like you just it was maybe it was the, the porridge was a weird vehicle. Yes, exactly. That, yeah,
1: that's that's how I'm feeling about that, I think.
2: And I am wondering like what, what and I'm just between I'm wondering what encouraged her to throw in trail ride as a descriptor for this. Like the Gabe's campfire trout, I can see that being roasted over a campfire mm-hmm. the way he prepared it. And I like that he, and we got kind of, we're back to a little bit of goofy Gabe here, like, because he, like, this is a lot of food. And I thought, I feel like maybe he's channeling Maria in terms of yeah. like, how much he was putting out there. But he was like giggling, like, yeah, I know. And like, and it made me think back to uh, last season. A little bit with uh, Brian Voltaggio in terms of like one of the things that I'd hypothesized was that as that season progressed and the group got down to fewer and fewer people, Brian's personality came out a bit more and more. I didn't know if maybe he was an introvert. Oh, yes. Okay. And i feel feeling like a little bit like that with Gabe as well. Is in yeah. terms of like we're getting more and more of like him as a character uh, mm-hmm. beyond simply being a chef as the just his personality is like becoming more and more exuberant as the show goes on. So I'm wondering if he's also a little bit introverted, or if the smaller cast size is making him come out of his shell a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I, I was I I think we might have cracked the nut on the hazelnut bacon relish and the porridge, and mm-hmm. just get rid of the porridge and yeah. and we don't need that. We can try everything else. But maybe it's easier as if it is truly trail ride. Maybe the idea is it's easier to just kind of like uh eat it out of a deeper bowl if you're actually in a uh you know on a wagon train and you're trying to eat it maybe it's easier maybe the porridge makes it easier to eat versus the discrete components like on a plate if you're on a horse i don't I know yes
1: <laughs> like a drinking porridge is that what you're suggesting yeah
2: you could just chug the trail ride porridge with all the components throw it in a thermos
1: you know how campbell's has this like soup in a cup yeah I guess, like Quaker, you Quaker. If you're listening to this, you better pay me for this million dollar idea: drinkable porridge.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit like 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 a protein shake, almost.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Quaker, call me. I can um, be bought.
2: They, I have seen. I I think I can't remember if Campbell's does it, but uh, K cup soups, where it's basically broths. Like there's a there's a there's a bone broth uh, K cup. Uh, that I've that I've tried before is okay, it, cool. <laughs> it was cool it was interesting um didn't you don't get a lot of the because a lot of like the liquid happens mm-hmm. inside the cup itself uh you don't get a, you, I didn't get any coffee flavor that was notable in the broth which was good <laughs> but anywho.
1: um so then they take a nice little field trip they go to the coast the oregon coast this looks beautiful i'm dying to go like i'm dying to go to oregon they they could the money that travel oregon has spent in this season has completely worked i cannot wait to go um they took a trip to the coast and this included a nice little field trip to um the cheese factory called Tillamook. Tillamook Cheese Factory. Um this is cool. This is a lot of fun. I find it very interesting. I think the chefs probably found it very interesting.
2: You could tell from like the signs that they had up to, like there were like labeled areas of the assembly line describing what they do. So you know the place has tours all the time. Mm-hmm. Except, you know, probably not so much during during quarantine. Um,
1: I also thought this space was really cool, like where they had the dinner and where they also had the judges' table. Like I I think that'd be a really cool event space. And I'm sure that's, I'm sure they use it for stuff like that. Like, can you imagine attending a wedding at the Cheese Factory?
2: No, I can't. Okay, <laughs> I'm, well. to be completely honest.
1: Okay, well, get in your <laughs> brain. Cheese Factory wedding. Sounds bomb to me.
2: Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to see, like, as, as I mentioned in previous weeks, I've been thinking about going to uh, Portland uh, for a vacation. Uh, in early July I opted not to but I'm curious how long a drive is it from Portland Oregon to Tillamook Oregon where the Tillamook
1: well let me google map that
2: no it's an hour and 18 minutes
1: that is not bad that's
2: not bad at all not bad at all and you go go through the scenic Tillamook State Forest on the way there oh nice yeah it's like half the drive is through the State Forest
1: um that sounds truly stunning
2: yeah, so I, I was thinking, like, is the coast like three hours away? No, it's not even three hours round trip.
1: This is great. This is beautiful. Oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, what a-, a thrill! What a thrill! I was
2: very really confused crazy. for a moment because it, said it looks like um, uh, Portland is almost right across the river from Vancouver. That's Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, different I was, Vancouver. I was thrown for a second there.
1: Oregon's a pretty big state. I think I never. I guess I knew it, but I. I don't know. How long does it take to drive from Portland to Seattle? No, that's my next question. Let me just uh, pop that in there. Seattle. It takes two hours and 44 minutes. That's not bad at all.
2: No, that's like from where I'm at to the Detroit area. So Yeah.
1: Okay, now how long does it take to get <laughs> from Portland to the northern Vancouver?
2: Probably not too long because isn't is Seattle almost right across.
1: Like five hours and 18 yeah. minutes. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, Vancouver is pretty close to
2: the border. You want know, there's probably a very nice train that makes that route, too. Imagine well,
1: that, I keep I keep saying I really want to do like a train trip that takes me from Vancouver to like San Francisco.
2: Yeah, I did the train trip from Chicago to L.A. That mm-hmm. fun.
1: Well, that's through like what one would call the portland.
2: I, I went to sleep in Kansas. I woke up in Kansas
1: <laughs> nice,
2: <laughs> I think we're still here um,
1: which, which which of the flyover states is your favorite?
2: which of the flyover states is my favorite yeah um
1: have you been to i feel like you've been to all have you been to all fifty states
2: i've not I've been to maybe all but um in the in the the forty eight contiguous states I've been to all but like three or four really? i guess my favorite flyover states um it might be. Does Missouri count? I think so. Um, I didn't know if that was too far east. If we're looking at the north, when, we're looking at the North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, yeah. Oklahoma, Texas corridor of that, and it can't really count Texas. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know what? I I would say actually say Kansas. I um, when I first the first time I moved back from Los Angeles to Chicago, I drove from Denver to. Uh, basically, St. Louis through Kansas, and um, it was a very. It was. I made I made that drive in one day. It was very. It was very just like rolling hills and. Beautiful. It wasn't flat, but as flat as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more on the eastern side of the state. But it was actually very verdant and rolling hills, and it was just blue skies. Um, so yeah, I would actually, despite despite me, uh, I like driving through it better than taking a train through it. But mm-hmm. yeah. I've center. not been to North Dakota. I've been to that, I've been to the other all the other states I mentioned there. But North Dakota I've not been through.
1: Right. Yeah, I've missed most of that corridor. I've been to quite a few states for Canadian, but not not all of them, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, I think I've only been to Ontario and Quebec when it, you're looking at the Canada. So You're yeah. you're missing
1: out on the East Coast, let me tell you that. Yeah, I
2: am. I, I, I want to go, go to Vancouver so badly. Um, I know that's the other side of the country, but... um,
1: Did you know that Nova Scotia and Newfoundland are actually closer to Ireland than they are Vancouver?
2: I did not. Interesting fact.
1: I know, crazy, right? Anyway, um, the Cheese Factory, this is great. Um, the challenge, I don't know if I totally loved at this point in the competition.
2: It was weird because there was one point we see... There's a point where Tom, after doing his walk through of the kitchen, has kind of like a speak to the camera, almost a Tom confessional about. I know,
1: and I feel like we don't see those. It felt often, weird. if ever, it did feel weird because it sounded like it felt like they had filmed it before the cookery too.
2: And but to your point, it was almost like he was defending the choice to do mm-hmm. this this challenge. It was like, you know, a lot of people might ask Haley, for example, Haley Strong. I know you're watching. Hi. Uh, a Hi, Tom. A lot of people might ask, like, why we would like just have something simple, like, but you know, we want people to.
1: It's not that I I disagree with a cheese focus challenge. I am very supportive of a cheese focus. We
2: were very excited last week when we saw when we knew that the cheese focus challenge was coming.
1: What I have my doubts about is having to use cheddar five different ways, specifically cheddar, specifically five ways. I felt like. I felt like if we did like a cheddar focused dish, like make cheddar the star of your dish, beat Bobby Flay style. Great. I love it. Genius. I feel like the constraints of being like, okay, I use cheddar here. I use cheddar here. I use cheddar here. Like that seems a little like clunky to me. And they got like not upset with Jamie, but they didn't love that Jamie's um, dish was, it, it felt disjointed. Mm hmm. But I felt like it, it's hard to make it not disjointed because you're trying to bring cheese in in five different ways. Like, I think Shota obviously did the best job in that. I think making a dashi was just truly brilliant. Um, but and I he just, made,
2: And he kept the cheese as the star. Like, I thought that Gabe was. I mean, technically, we didn't really have two tops here. Like, you know, Shota won, and then everybody else had like something that was maybe. A bit off, and I thought Gabe was maybe going to be near the top, uh, but apparently, like the the apple was more of the star than the, yeah. the, the cheddar. Uh, but it was all based on that one dish, which I would love to try the mm-hmm. the where it was like the cheese souffle and you know the 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 and the, all the other components that were three kinds of cheese. So It reminded me of my days working at Arby's. Not to you know go back to again last summer's uh, podcast. I series. was thrilled to
1: go back to Arby's and you that.
2: Uh, where we had a um, uh, they had a triple like a, it was like a triple cheese roast beef. It was like a, you know, cheese three ways. But the, 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 and I always, it was like, I think it was a three, a yeah, three cheese roast beef sandwich. And then I always joked that the, the three cheeses were uh, sliced, shredded, and melted. <laughs> but otherwise, it was all the same. Um, but uh, I, I almost, I don't know if, I mean, if they, I don't know if they should have instead had the challenge be feature and ingredient of your choice five ways. If they'd done that, we though, we wouldn't have gotten to the Tillamook cheesemongery. I'm going to keep saying yeah. cheesemonger. Um, so I don't know if they should have like conceptualized a different cheddar challenge. Um, or if they should have like expanded the. The five ways. Thing? I think I they should know. have
1: just been like, make a cheddar-focused dish. Like, I want to know that this is a cheddar dish.
2: I wonder if that's what they were going. He said to me, that does feel weird for a Final Four challenge, though. Like, what a cheddar- these-
1: Make it just like, make yeah. a cheddar dish.
2: Like, I'm wondering if that's what it originally was, and then. Yeah, this is this is this is like I have no evidence, so I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit hole. It's like maybe they wanted to do this earlier in the season, but because of quarantine, they couldn't get access to the the place, so they came in later. Then they had to make it more complex. Um, But you know, I, I I well, I would not have been upset at make a cheddar dish. It does seem that seems a little bit simple for Final Four.
1: And I guess, but I think I like the simplicity because we really want to see what these chefs can do when more or less left they're left to their own devices. I just feel like we could have got a better range. Like I think I really was drawn towards shotas and I think the judges were drawn to shodas shotas because he didn't really bother with the protein. Like he he had like some yeah. tofu, but it wasn't like I'm gonna make like a Philly cheesesteak or like a piece of fish with all this cheese. And I think Gabe was like more successful too because it wasn't like a protein-heavy dish. There was some bacon, yes, but it wasn't like, I I I just, I don't know. I feel like it was too constrained.
2: What about three cheddar, three uh, three cheddar-focused courses where you're using the cheddar in three different ways across three different dishes? I
1: love that idea. I think that's brilliant.
2: And one is like a, a mousse-bouche, an entree, and a dessert. Yeah so you you're kind of forced to think about it differently or Yeah
1: I think that's um, I think that's perfect then you can use all of the different cheeses and Selma could get their like their spawn money worth it to highlight a bunch of different cheeses but it just this felt I don't know it just it felt clunky to me where the idea of a three course meal I think that's a great idea
2: Yeah it means cuz I'm not a chef and I'm not well versed in the versatility of cheddar but like i would have the, the when they kind of showed off and showcased the that award-winning five cheese parmesan uh, parmigiano reggiano uh, dish uh i was like well those are like the five ways you can even use cheese
1: yeah <laughs> like I'll what fall, else is there you sprinkle it you souffle it <laughs> you, it, you right cook
2: up. it grated <laughs>
1: Yeah, oh, here is my cheese dish. It's grated cheese on a plate. I really wanted to let the ingredients sing. I used five different types of cheddar, so...
2: Sharp. Extra sharp. Yeah.
1: Did they do Jamie dirty by, like, showing a close-up of her eating all the different kinds of cheese? I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so either. I thought it was perfect. Um, okay, so what did they make? To or... T- showed him a tofu cheddar manju with cheddar dashi smoked cheddar oil cheddar tofu miso miso and cheddar tweel um did you know that cheese oil was a thing before this challenge
2: wait, t- i did crazy? not wait, wait, i was wait, wait, confused
1: but was i was it? happy about it
2: oh, what was it i had I remember if I was talking to you guys there. other day. It was like, so basically grease. <laughs> it was like, You're I, right.
1: I get cheddar oil when I melt cheese for my nachos.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That's how, that's how he made it. He, he made some nachos and he, then he like collected the oil from the cheddar nachos and then yeah. they use it in the dish.
1: Great. I love it. Um, yeah, this was brilliant. I love this. All the judges loved it. Um, it was no surprise to me that it won.
2: And it, 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 and it, the the ch- and the cheddar was like the star. I mean, in each of the other things yeah. we see, uh, like he really, really, really focused on the cheddar, and especially and the thing I've loved about Shota's cooking, up you know, throughout the series is that even if the challenge isn't something that is traditionally uh, that he could like full tilt lean into his the knowledge of you know you know cultural knowledge of his cuisine that. He knows how to adapt it, and I think that's what he did here. Is like, yo, know, you don't see a lot of uh, of cheese in Japanese cooking, but he kind of was able to. He's like a fusion master.
0: If that he, makes he's sense. he's
1: truly brilliant, I love the way that he's able to make his food shine within the constraints of each of the challenges. Um, and he mentioned the judging panel that he was coming into Top Chef, not really knowing how he was going to be taken or his food was going to be taken. And I'm so thrilled that Shota was here to to like, I love I love him. He's so good. Like he's great. He's so fun. What a great character. What a great chef. He's like a perfect top chef contestant.
2: And and this is, I think of the, of the dishes, uh, this is the one I would have wanted to try the most.
1: Mm -hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Um, Gabe made cheddar oil, roasted apples, white cheddar foam, cheese curds, apple bacon, Cheddar sauce and cheese and apple chip. So, um, I love the way that Gabe more or less went simple with this dish, like a very classic combination of apple and cheddar. Um, but he elevated it. And I think this sounds delicious. Um, but this is one of those dishes. I think Gabe's really good at like an appetizer and not necessarily making me a main.
2: Yeah, I don't. And I don't know if I've ever had, I'm trying to think if I've ever had like a cheddar apple combination. I know it's a thing. Like I, I hear of like cheddar slices on apple pie mm-hmm. all the time, but I don't. And I'm trying to think of like if like a cheese plate. If I've ever said, okay, here's some. I don't know if I've ever had the actual combination of apple and cheddar in the same bite. Um, I, I would have tried the heck out of this. I mean, you know, the apple bacon cheddar sauce. Like he, he did get some of uh, you know additional protein in there. The but the white cheddar. Oh, this it sounded good. It's yeah. Good, but uh, he also used cheddar oil. <laughs>
1: More important, more importantly to me, he used cheese curds, which is one of my favorite variations of cheese. I really was dying to see some deep fried cheese curds on one of these plates because I love deep fried cheese
2: curds. I'm trying to think of like, could there have been like a poutine very a poutine dish that featured cheese five ways?
1: Like a cheese gravy, cheese yeah. fries? Well, okay, I feel sick thinking about that. <laughs> that's not for to you. too much this i having to eat cheese 20 different ways sounds like an absolute dream and a horrific nightmare to me
2: by the way the uh the head uh cheese chef at the that's at the table strong beard game on that guy
1: interesting (laughs) he put a lot of work into the lower facial like the lower hair rather than the upper hair yes yes um Yeah, I'm not lactose intolerant, but I do have to be careful with how much dairy I am consuming or else my tum-tum is not a happy camper.
2: I think this this much dairy, everybody's tum-tum would not be a happy camper.
1: I I There's no way I would have been able to make it through this entire day without throwing up. I feel the same way about that dessert challenge in Top Chef Kentucky where they had to make like 12 desserts and mm-hmm. they all ate them after midnight. I would have thrown up.
2: So, and just because I think we're at the same place on the podcast, and we Joe Del Campo, too much dairy potentially in addition to too much cheese. (laughs) I know, (laughs) and
1: oh, when because it's actually funny. That's what I I've seen every episode of Survivor except two. I think it's like the second last episode of Survivor Australia. And okay. that episode of Rong because I I was away and I missed that episode and I heard what happened. So I just never went back to it. I didn't realize that like Joe didn't really eat meat that much, like before oh. coming on Survivor. And I was like, Oh, like no wonder his poor stomach just like was not thrilled.
2: So I wish Joe Del Campo had been a judge in this competition for this oh. round. I Although, just, you notice know, so that the moment they bring in a guest judge, it's like, well, you're in our quarantine bubble now. You ain't going nowhere. And they're yeah. like, they're now there for the rest of the series. It's like it's it's like the opposite of Survivors. They keep adding judges.
1: I know. Like I was pretty surprised to see Ed Lee come up a couple of weeks ago, and I'm thrilled he's that he's still here. Yeah. Um, side note, I oh, what's his book called? It was one. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. Um, just give me one second. I'm going to Google it. Um, Buttermilk Graffiti. Oh, cool name! It's a really great book. It's really cool. I would definitely recommend reading it if you're into like food lit. Um, anyway, um, Don. I love Don's concepts. Also, kind concept. of going simple. Um, she was. She's from the Philly area. She's basing it off of the Philly cheese steak. to mean, cheese. Another cheese oil. Cheese oil based a steak. Okay, do sign me up for a cheese oil based sake. <laughs> uh, cheese saute, Cheese. Gouger, gouger, extra sharp, reserved cheese foam, sous vide, and cheddar sauce. Um, what was their issue? That like this, it was too muddled, That the sauce was kind of grainy, and, and our good didn't friend Brooke did get the gouger. <laughs> what? Oh, I was like, I, I was secondhand cringing because I just. And she looks Dale so was mad. <laughs> Dale. Dale was very
2: angry. How the f do you get this far in the competition and you're still missing things from the like, He was someone pooped in his cereal. Uh But it, it's like, like don't don't upset Grandpa Dale. I know. in Brooke,
1: I, I feel like I could see Brooke being like, "No, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like I just wanted it. Like oh, don't yell at her. Like it's fine."
2: Uh, yeah it was that and then like and then like, Richard point I was like if you're going to make like if you say that this is going to be like an elevated cheesesteak it needs to be amazing mm-hmm. and he's like it was good it just wasn't you know all the way up there yeah um, it I reminds me I think it was last week where uh, I think it was a re- Jamie's dish uh, Tom said you know it was in the last couple of weeks like if I got this in a restaurant I'd be I'd be happy but it's this is top chef, you know. Mm-hmm. This isn't. This isn't next necessarily. You know, this far in the competition, it needs to be better. Um, and so I think that's the impression I got from the cheesesteak, and then also, yeah, the the missing element once again. But I couldn't tell if it was. It couldn't tell if it was, it kind of implied or what, because like, you know, is that something that Jamie missed? Um, no, but, I mean it's
1: not Jamie's fault. Like it's not Jamie's plate.
2: No. No, because you, you see, there's the, even, like, they even do go back to the. To so the, Don
1: handing it off.
2: Yeah, it's like, it's almost like grabbing the plate, handing it to the server, not even looking to see if it's on there. That's yeah. the point where it, it, she should have noticed. But uh, I feel
1: like I do that all the time, too. Like, if, oh yeah. I would always, in university, I'd always have to write papers, like, Finish them three weeks before they're due because I can't proofread a paper I just finished writing. Like I would have to come back to it, so I could totally, I can totally relate to Don being like, "Yep, that, yep, that looks fine." Yep, and not even like totally taking in every single element, especially when you're trying to rush. Yeah. Do you think this should have gotten Don eliminated?
2: The missing element, no, Um, because it's not like I think Top Chef is very like.
1: What have you done for me lately? They don't really look back on like a body of things, and I was wondering if they would be like, "Don, this is literally the fourth plate you've missed something on like it's unacceptable. You cannot continue, or if they were just going to be like, well, we can't look at past weeks like we have to take just this dish into account
2: yeah i i I think um." Just the the structure of the tofu challenge was such that because it was a voting element and you like the the challenge there was to complete it was specifically around enabling the judges to vote and they, and she had done it in a way where that she made that impossible so i there i could that see that one i'm not
1: even counting
2: yeah well yeah i was think i was thinking more from the lines of should she have been Disqualified in in some way, Oh. and I don't think so because I, I don't I don't know if there's people out there making that argument or not. Um, I think it's I think it's I I I don't think that. If, apparently, if her di- if her dish was better than Jamie's, then the right call was made, and it seems yeah. like that was the case. Mm-hmm.
1: I would agree. Uh, Jamie made sea bass with crispy cheddar cheddar spitzel spiced cheese sauce cheese broth bok choy and pickle cheese curd. I think one of the issues was that Jamie had too many sauces and they just kind of blended together, which I think is a pretty fair critique. Um I feel like the cheese sauce is probably the easiest way to go, but it's the hardest to like have multiple of. Um I loved Jamie's boldness of of uh, you know using fish with cheese, which is something that you know we are told is not something that should be happening. Um but I think there's a reason we are told it shouldn't happen. I think that kind of happened here. I think she just had too many elements, and like I said, they just didn't really work together. They were just kind of separate things, and I think that half it's it's the fault of Jamie, but it's also the fault of this challenge trying to make cheese five different ways.
2: And and I think there was also this underlying implic, you know, like implication that she was helping and this came up i think last week as well but she was helping so many other people yeah that she was like didn't end up having time for herself mm-hmm. um and like he she even said like oh i am feel i didn't allow myself as much time as i thought was well, cuz you were helping don and i think you were i think you were also helping you know, gabe at one point um so but at the same time i'm wondering how much of that was you know she last week is she wanted to give up her spot for maria to stay and you think
1: her heart was maybe just not like super in it like she felt like she was coming to the end of the road and she'd rather help her friends have a better dish than like put the effort into
2: hers i don't think it was that i I think the latter part that she wanted to focus her time on making sure her friend's dishes were success is a possibility i don't think it's because her heart wasn't in it i think it's more that she was happy with um how her story up to that point had turned out and she didn't necessarily feel that she had a, uh, a right to continue. And yeah. So, but she, and but she wanted to make sure that her other, her, her friends had dishes. Again, just a the theory that I, I don't know if that's the case or not, but, it, I, but it, did, on- it
1: did kind of feel like that. And it makes me sad. And I think I said this last week, it makes me sad that we like a lot of, um a lot of the women's stories on, on top chef, especially this season have been like, I haven't felt good enough in this space for a long time and now I'm not even sure if I'm good enough now. Um I feel like we rarely hear that from the male chefs on the right. on the competition. Um so it just sucks to hear that, but I'm hoping that that these chefs are are able to see that they are just as brilliant as everyone else in the room and they're there because they are just as brilliant as everyone else in the room.
2: You're right. We it's rare that we see that like if- a self-doubt in the male chefs and it's completely understandable. I mean, in terms of like you, we hear it as kind of a it's, it's seldom is just, I'm not sure of my capabilities. It's usually paired with a healthy dose of, uh, you know, women aren't always respected in this profession. like, we hear tales of that all the time, whether it's, uh, you know, Dawn was talking about always having to prove herself. And, mm-hmm. Or even um, like
1: Kiki, who's constantly told in her, in her career that her a, her food wasn't respectable enough, and she wasn't respectable enough.
2: Right. And especially, I think, you know, pair that between if somebody is a woman and from another culture whose food is drastically different from yeah. American cuisine, then you're kind of like. Okay, not only am I not respected because I'm female, but I now also have to prove that the food that I cook is yeah. worthy of a restaurant or worthy of a you know being you know put on a menu. So it's I can't I can't even uh, imagine. Um, but that's your. That's just my my you know I I, I am privileged in that in that way yeah so.
1: Yeah, it's it's very infrequent that um we see a lot of the white chefs like say that they were told that their food wasn't worth it or whatever. uh um, you know, like our French classically French trained chefs coming in. Again, we've air quoted a couple times. I know the listeners can't oh, yeah. hear the I hope you understand our context, air quotes. Um, you know, a French chef will come in and yes, oh, they're brilliant, blah, blah, blah. And the Mexican chef comes in and it's like, Oh well, this should be this, and it, it and it's hard for two white people to come in and say like this is what's wrong with the food industry because we have not lived that. That's not been our lived experience. Um, we can just kind of relay what we've been presented and what we've been told about other people's experiences. Um, And then I think that's one of the reasons why this season is so important. We've had so many different voices, so many different backgrounds, so many different styles. And I think, I think that's part of what has made this this season so brilliant.
2: There was, there was one Caucasian male this season in Gabriel and like you've got everything from Gabe as Mexican American and Shota as Japanese American, and you know, and that's just the you know just the tip of the iceberg with the men. And then you know, it. I, I love the casting on the season. I think it's it's I don't know. It's just not not just in terms of yes, in terms of the diversity, but also just in terms of the people. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just been such a wonderful I great personalities,
1: great amazing talents. Like it's just yeah. been such a a lovely season like, taken
2: like even during the even during the um the quick fire you saw like shoda was like prepping the salmon and he didn't need all of it and so he just like tossed it over to jamie hey you need that like it was like there was there's just been like respect and sharing whereas i think you'd see in other seasons like there's no way that you know um uh What's the other Voltaggio? Frankly, why is it I remember Brian Voltaggio? Michael. You know? Yeah, it's like I can't see Michael Voltaggio necessarily doing that. Uh, but it's like no, but, yeah, I, I always
1: think back to like Top Chef Las Vegas and just like how ha- how highly competitive that season was, and oh. almost like in an uncomfortable way.
2: Jen would definitely not share her, you know, produce. <laughs> I'm guessing.
1: <laughs> not then. Maybe now. Maybe now. Yeah, I feel yes. like Jen is different now. She's
2: she's a kinder, gentler Jen. Yeah. Gentler, because she's Jen. She's Gensler. I see her there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So those were the dishes, eh?
1: Those are the dishes, and we we say goodbye to Jamie here. Um,
2: That's the last person in your draft team, Haley.
1: May it rest in peace, and no more what call it to have anyone come back. Um, I love Jamie. I thought she was fun, like so great. I love that during the quick fire when she won, Padma did the finger guns. Like I think she's made a real impression on the judges and she's just like not a person, not a character we've seen on Top Chef very often and I think it's really refreshing um, that somebody can take food like not super seriously, like it's supposed to be fun like they're not doing rocket science, like they're making dinner and they're having a great time doing it and I love, it just makes it more fun, it makes it a more fun show Um, it, it did feel like she was very content with her departure.
2: I thought when we first met Jamie, it's like that there was a little bit of stunt casting, not in the traditional term, but more like this is a character that we've not seen anybody like this before. And I didn't expect her to last long. And here she is final four. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, color me wrong. Um, but you know, I like how she departs saying, like, I think even like Padman was like, or I think Gail was saying, you know, definitely going to, you know, check out your place in Vegas and she's like, I'll get you all drunk and lit. <laughs> pew pew. Uh but uh yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to checking out Black Sheep when I'm, I'm in a few weeks.
1: I am really looking forward to hearing your, your takes on it.
2: Yeah. So we're down to final three now. And then apparently somebody else is getting eliminated next week. Do Did you think so? The- I sounded like it. I think they said like um this elimination that that that, that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I believe I I believe so. I mean, and it would make sense to me because they're. Um, I don't think that they would change, which makes me wonder then. Like, would it have been a final three? I think so. If someone had come back from Last Chance Kitchen,
1: I do think um,
2: so. But uh, did you watch the previews?
1: I must have. I just can't remember.
2: They're like they're basically like. Knee deep in the water looking for those crabs.
1: Oh, yes. Okay. James James Beard
2: episode, it sounds like.
1: I love crabs, so I'm very
2: excited about that. You love lobster, red lobster.
1: I do. I love a a crustacean. What can I say?
2: Uh, Good time.
1: Good time um i i was slightly inspired this week i did i did make the cinnamon babka on monday like i was talking about it turned out really well i was happy with it
2: did i see your cinnamon babka or did i see bryce's cinnamon did you inspire no
1: no no. we had both talked like because bryce said on the podcast last week that he was going to make a blueberry babka and i was like that's so funny because i'm planning on making a cinnamon babka tomorrow um it turned out well. Um, I did buy some new yeast recently cause I mm-hmm. tried to make a focaccia a while ago and it didn't rise. And I think my yeast was broken. Um, so I, I did buy new yeast a couple weeks ago and made the vodka and it turned out really well. The last one I had made, what had chocolate in it. So I just stuck to cinnamon. Um, cause Ethan prefers just, he loves like cinnamon stuff. So I was like, I think you'll like this. The recipe I didn't realize it made for two loaves. Um, so I actually had, I did some light experimenting because, um, with the second rise, it said an hour or two and I only have one loaf pan.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> just I did cram them both in there. Just double up. I know. Up.
1: So what I did double was... double stuff
2: Oreo, but a uh, double stuff vodka. Yeah.
1: Next time I will do that. I made one and let the other one rest for an extra hour to see if there was any like difference. I'm not sure if there was, if I'm being honest with you. I think it was okay. good though. I enjoyed it. And then this week I also made another cinnamon dessert. I don't know if you've ever heard of this because I hadn't heard of it before like a couple of weeks ago. So one of my coworkers had given me a little cinnamon? Tell um, <laughs> what? Yeah, cinnamon. <laughs> um, a little loaf of Amish friendship bread.
2: I think I've heard of friendship bread. Yeah. I don't think I've heard of it. Uh, in the context of the Amish and I couldn't tell you what Friendship Bread is. And so. then,
1: So then later that week, my best friend had given me a bag of Amish Friendship Bread starter. So it, co- it has a starter and so you leave it on your counter <laughs> for the first six days, you squeeze the bag. Or for the first five days, you squeeze the bag. And then the sixth day, you add a cup of flour, a cup of Milk, a cup of sugar. You mix it all in. You leave it on your counter for another four days while squeezing the bag. On the tenth day, you make you make the bread. Um, but you add more. You add you. It's an absolute f ton of milk, sugar, and flour. Let me tell you that. Um, and then you take a you take four cups out. In each cup, you put in a separate bag, and then you're supposed to give the starter to other people. No, it's
2: like a chain. It's like a chain letter, but with food. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> and let me tell you, the and it makes a ton. I made a, again. I only have one loaf pan, so I made one loaf of this bread, and then I made a tray of muffins. They're delicious, but it's truly too much effort for me to do on a regular basis. Because you're supposed to make this bread every ten days, right? It's so many ingredients, and you run out of people to give this effing starter to.
2: It's like the pyramid, right? like a pyramid scheme of cooking. Yeah,
1: it is. It's exactly. It's a pyramid. It's like an MLM. Like somebody's trying to force me to buy it. Anyways, it's delicious bread, but I'm never gonna make it again. I'm gonna, if I want it, I'm gonna buy it from somebody else because I'm not doing this again. I'm not going through a week and a half. Just end up with more after you starter. Like, you're supposed to make this I, bread every 10 days. It, I'm not doing that.
2: It's hilarious that the thing I've heard you get most upset about during your food discussion is friendship bread. I know.
1: Well, it, 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 the, the
2: Some friends.
1: The worst part is it's delicious. It's
2: lovely. <laughs> it's a wonderful bread. I'm extremely upset that I was given it.
1: <laughs> but it's just... <laughs> like, it sounds bad, but I was, like, making it. I was like making this bread like what am i gonna do with all these starters after like i don't have any friends like
2: if i don't cook it i have seven years bad luck yeah
1: and it, yeah exactly and it's just like like i gave one to my mother-in-law and i was like i don't care if you don't make this i need it out of my house
2: and you, you're not allowed to give it back to me that's do not, not how ever give me is.
1: i know i do not ever give me amish bread starter again because i made it out of like because my friend given it to me it was like well oh. i have to make this like I, I don't want her to be like, hey, did you ever make this bread? I go, no. Like again, I don't want that. Some years of bad luck. Apparently, you're not supposed to put it in the fridge. Be your allowed to put it in the freezer. Okay. So I'm thinking of freezing it, but again, I'm never going to make it again. It's just going to live in my freezer forever because I don't want to have to deal with the possibility that I have four more starters that I have to give away. I don't want to go through that, and I can't even like make it for my grandmother because there's like. <laughs> Three years worth of milk in this thing. She's lactose intolerant.
2: I don't know if it'll outlast grandma.
1: <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it, and it's unsettling to think about milk on my counter for 10 days. Is it not a little
2: bit? Yeah. I also,
1: I I love, I need a clean counter. I'm one of those okay. people. I'm not always tidy, but I can't really function in like clutter. So I don't like when my kitchen counter, I, Kurt, my my office right now is cluttered, and I'm just like staring straight at the screen, so I don't have to look at the mess. Anyway, I, I don't I don't want bags of goo on my counter.
2: It sounds so appealing, though.
1: <laughs> like it's, so I don't. Anyway, I'm gonna give it to one of Ethan's aunts. One of my former bosses wants some, um, and I just might. I don't know burn the last one like I don't know what else to do I don't want to ever burn it with with fire like I don't ever want to make this again as good (laughs) as it is I never want to make it again and I tried to find a recipe that like you wouldn't have leftover starter because you're using just an absolute and I mean an absolute ass ton of milk flour and sugar for this effing bread and I just don't want to go through all that like every 10 days and I have to was, do this three times a month?
2: This is your best friend that gave this to you.
1: And she meant well. She did this out of love. But it felt this, like an attack. Did
2: she listen to the Yes. No, God,
1: she no. I, Jessica, if you're listening to this, I love you. Thank you for this gift in an Amish starter bread. I'm wait, never making this again.
2: Wait, she stole your birth name?
1: A lot of people were named Jessica in 91, let me tell you. You could throw a rock and hit a Jessica in
2: 1991.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, so that is what. I Long story short, that's what I made, and I will never make it again. Uh, again, it's delicious. I can't wait to have a piece after this podcast, and not making it ever again. The All the
2: yeah,
1: it's it, the pain is too deep. It, it scarred me.
2: It's also too soon. Like it's it's the the, the, the it's you know two like weeks from now,
1: ten days. I'm not doing I'm not squeezing this bag every single I'm not taking time out of my day to squeeze a bag. <laughs> <laughs> RHP out of context, Twitter. You know I love you. Do not take that. <laughs> do not put that on your Twitter account. They're really good at listening to me about that. Okay. Um I don't even know what else I made. What did I No, it's hard because I work till um, six and Ethan works till fo- like he gets home at five. And yeah, then nighttime and goes, time is like, friendship center. bread time. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. Dude is gonna dude has been eating a lot of cinnamon based breads lately. But he that's he's living his best life. Um dinner. I don't know, but I got I got my latest issue of Food Network magazine this week and in that was a falafel burger recipe that I really want to try. Interesting. <laughs> like instead of a burger patty, it's just a ah. patty of falafel, which sounds amazing to me. Hmm. So I think I'm gonna make that tomorrow because um, my days off have, are Sunday and Monday this week. And so it's nice to have that Monday to like catch up on chores and actually do stuff, you know, what I mean? yeah. anyway, what did you, sorry, to <laughs> absolutely derail this, but what did you have this week?
2: Uh, I almost forgot, but I actually made burgers a couple of, I, I got four patties, uh, from the store, the pre-made like pre—I didn't. I, they were like pre-formed with like I think cheddar and bacon in them. So I did. I bought a couple of some brioche like buns. Juicy Lucy
1: style, or are they like
2: no, they were like no, no, not like a layer inside, but like chunks.
1: Have you ever top. had a GC Lucy? Yeah. Do you like them?
2: Um, I like the concept. The two or three I've had have not delivered on what I've expected in terms of like gooey center. Yeah,
1: I've never um, had one, but I just and which is weird because I love burger and I, and I love cheese but I just want them to be like separate layers I guess I don't know I just I, I, I should I, try one
2: I like the idea but the like I had one in Minneapolis which is where I believe it's originated mm-hmm. yeah. and it wasn't like I was like oh this I'm not getting anything different from this um, but then I sprinkled I had a couple I had like a couple slices of thinly sliced cheddar huh, uh, on on the burger and the one I had like a shredded Swiss Gruyere blend mm. um and then i had did some some tasty uh takeout uh pizzeria near me. I got this Italian sub that was oh, amazing it i i i and it was I think it was more like the the, the the condiments just made it amazing. It was like your typical deli meats, but it had like mayo and jardinera and I don't know what else but it was just so tasty. I also got um are you familiar with Pepede no. They're like kind of round, like picture I'm like a pepper, but it's like in the shape of almost a large-ish cherry tomato. Um, oh. um, they're not too spicy. They're, they're more along the lines of a slightly tangy bell pepper, um, but they were hollowed out and filled with blue cheese. Um,
1: oh, oh, sign me up for that.
2: Which was tasty. And then I got something that was just called, all the menu said it was a pancetta pinwheel. Did not know what this was. And I was expecting something that was going to be like um uh, like a uh, ham roll up with maybe like a cream, like a cheese or something. That's like.
1: what I expect when I hear it. was like no, a more
2: like... like a, it was like a, like a, like a pizza roll up. Like it was like, it was actually a lot of, it had bread, which I did not, I did not expect. Right. Um, I also, let so yesterday, got a, uh, a, the pickle pizza, which I've talked about before. Mm-hmm. And I got the, um a lobster quesadilla, <gasps> uh, which was with white cheddar, uh, which was quite tasty. Um,
1: Where's that
2: from? Uh, there's a play, uh, social house, Grand Rapids. Uh, both were from there. Uh, social SocialHouseGr Lucky Land Casino asking
0: people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah ha! In my dentist's office. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: But I think actually the big thing this weekend is like I started, I threw a bunch of cooking competition shows into the DVR. Right. Um, nice. um, I saw a tweet from, uh, Will from America talking mm-hmm. about how he thinks MasterChef has the best uh, competition elimination structure of any competitive reality show. Okay. And so I, and I saw I missed the first few episodes and so i threw that into the dvr uh, and watched the first episode on demand i've, I've never watched master chef before i think my aunt was uh went through the audition process and oh, she oh, like, right. w- and she was in the audition episode and did not make it past that and so i've like not watched it in solidarity since then um so i'm going to catch up on that and then i was watching that and i saw that hell's kitchen was back which i'd missed so i'm watching that and i've not watched that in, in a while
1: I I've never watched it, so it comes on okay. right before The Bachelor. So I actually texted um a friend of the podcast and me Emily the other day, being like, "Have you ever watched this? Like, what's the scoop here?" And she's like, "No, I have not.
2: it's a lot of yelling." That's um, what I
1: thought, and I don't love yelling because I'm very delicate. Yeah.
2: And then, but I, then my mom pointed out the show to me. He's like, she's like, yeah, Joel McHale's hosting this new competition cooking show, but it's like a mystery and like something about murder. And I'm like, what? So I looked it up and I didn't realize. So it's been on for five weeks now. Crime scene kitchen. What? I have not heard of this. It's on Fox and I absolutely love it. It's like my new favorite show. So it's, there's like a kitchen and these pairs of chefs. There's like six teams. Each pair has like, 10 minutes to explore the kitchen and based on the clues left around the kitchen, they have to figure out what dessert was baked in the kitchen and then they have to go back and create it. And so they <gasps> that, look, this
1: sounds like a very curt show.
2: It, they, it's like, uh, like there's some dishes in the sink that have like the, Oh, that's definitely a buttercream or that's definitely a, uh, um, like, or, you know, there's, there's, looks like there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, Lemon, lemon rinds in the in the garbage or there's parchment paper but note that there's like these little dots of chocolate that are six inches apart so we think that this is like potentially like the length of whatever it is that we're making and, and the fact that there's two dots means it could, maybe it's an eclair um, and, it's, and it's funny because each of these six teams independently bakes what they think that, the judges are Chris Stone Joel McHale is just kind of the host and then this food blogger uh, influencer who I don't know um, but it'll, you'll be like, like the, when they, when they come back, like these three people each make a black forest cake, but then these two people thought it was a red velvet cake. And then you have like one team that made like donuts. And so it's, and so in the first round, uh, basically if you, whoever got the, if you're the only person who made the correct dish and it was really crappy, you still win. Um, and so it's funny that my favorite part is like watching, the like somebody come up with their black forest cake, and the other people who make black forest cakes are like kind of nodding their head, and the other people are like looking at each other like, how did they get black forest cake from that clues there? That is uh, cool. I, it's, it's, I have to check this out. It's it's so it's so good, and it's like, and I think actually Joe McHale is a really good host for it. Like I, I it's I don't know. I I've, I've I'm really taken with it, um, especially because they'll be like um one like it'll be like. No, there's no. I'm I'm Italian. There's no way that this is a cannoli that was being made. And then, meanwhile, like you know, four other teams are making cannolis.
1: (laughs) And And like, um, do you, the viewer, know what they're supposed to? make? Okay. Cool.
2: And then they, then there's like a they. So they each, and then and they don't know what each other are, are making. And then they each present their dish to the judges. And then the the actual dish is revealed. And then they walk through how you should have gotten this. And it's literally like if there's there's like shredded coconut in a bag on the counter. But it wasn't opened, so that was meant oh. to throw you off.: yeah. And so there' there's strawberries and raspberries in the fridge, but the but the raspberries were clearly a partially full container. Or like the, there was like a bunch of bottles of alcohol but only the seal was only broken on the rump. And, uh, or like there's like a little bit of dusting of cinnamon on the cinnamon shaker, and everything else is clean, so you know the cinnamon was used. Uh, so you have to kind of like piece the things together using that. And then you have to know how to make it. Yeah, um, like there's one where they said marzipan. And I I'm, and, and immediately like, I bet it's a princess cake. <laughs> That's the only thing I know. Is, uh, and it was. Uh, spoiler alert. Excellent. Um, so uh, yeah, so but you only have to know like what it is. You have to then also know how to make it. So like these are like people who know their way around like baking in a kitchen. So um, I, I told Bryce to watch it. I was like, it's it's actually really compelling. I i recommend it. Um, anyway,
1: check that out. That sounds like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I've been I've been enjoying it, but that's about it
1: where can people find you on the internet if you want them to find you on the internet
2: i am at kurt clark c-u-r-t-c-l-a-r-k so there's no confusion there two c's <laughs> uh, um uh, this past week thursday uh recorded our It uh retrospective on rap rewind with
1: how did that go how was it
2: good good it was so it was fun revisiting it with rob and chappelle had not ever actually had not seen it before um and so he just watched episode two of uh which is where we were kind of focusing on and he had a lot of questions which reminded me of like the first time we watched it uh uh rob and i back in 2013 there were a lot of questions that came up so uh it was fun it was fun then also just seeing on twitter like everybody who was excited about you know Going back and rewatching that, or it, like, there are a lot of people who that was like one of their the shows that brought them into RHAP. Uh So
1: I, I feel like I listened to the podcast, but I didn't watch the show.
2: There's a lot of people, but they're all in, All the episodes are on YouTube. Yeah, so. I'm gonna have to check that um, too. I've got a, was, I've
1: got a lot to watch lately.
2: It actually holds up well. Like I pointed it to, I pointed a friend to it, and she was like, "Oh, when's the next episode come out?" And I'm like, "No, no, no. This aired eight years ago. And you can't and you can't really tell." Okay, cool. Uh, so it's um highly recommended. But yeah, that's that's the main thing I got going on. How about you?
1: Um Bachelor is back in full swing, baby. So I'm podcasting about that here on the Wrap Ups Network with Amy. Um we're having fun so far. I'm nervous about where the season's gonna go, if it's gonna continue to be fun or not. Um but we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um other than that, I don't know what else I'm doing. I don't mm-hmm. think I have anything else like regularly
2: each Strong underscore still?
1: Each Strong underscore on Twitter and Instagram, at the Strong Library on Instagram, if you want to check out what I'm reading, which I haven't posted anything in a while because I'm currently reading a book. Um, I'm reading a series. You might actually like it, I think. It's the Shadow and Bone series. They're, it's the it shows on Netflix. Um, so I've, I'm reading the second one of that series.
2: I've not read it, but last year or the year before, I read a different book by the same author called The Ninth House. Yeah. Which uh, takes place, I think, on the campus of Yale or Harvard. That's kind of this idea that there's like these secret society clubs mm-hmm. which we hear about in like lots of the Ivy League schools but some of these are actually another layer of secret. Like there's like this mysticism or supernatural yeah. elements too. Um, so I, I do like the author. I have not read the Shadow and Bone series.
1: Yeah, it's 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 good. I mean I'm having a nice time. Re- well, a nice time, I don't know. It's like it's like dark but not like I don't know. It's not like I feel like an older teen could easily read it. Hmm. I'm very I like I like a YA high fantasy more than like an adult high fantasy. Right. Um, and I like a, I like a rom-com obviously. Yes. We'll what inside. have you read lately? You always post your books too.
2: Um, I'm reading a book that I bought like gosh six years ago. It's it's a series called the book's called The Janus Affair. It's the second book in the series. It's like there's something about peculiar occurrences, uh something or other society of peculiar occurrences. But it's like set in the 1890s in London, but it's very bit steampunk. And it's about this oh, okay. division of the uh of like the London government that is responsible for investigating. The supernatural and this plot uh, revolves around um the, the suffrage movement in london uh but uh, many of the lead women in charge of the movement are disappearing mysteriously in flashes of electricity so it's kind of like a it's like a fantasy element to mm-hmm. it but it's also a little bit historical fiction but like in a, in a history that's never like you know there's yeah. like you know, clockwork robots and airships and stuff like your typical steampunk sort of thing but yeah it's pretty it's pretty like i've had this for gosh like at least I want to say five or six years i'm finally digging into it so
1: i know i have a big pile of books that i really need to get to but a friend of mine had lent me these ones so i feel like i need to read them first
2: and i highly if you love books i highly suggest following hashtag library porn on instagram i followed i followed oh. it because you told me to Whew. There's some beautiful beautiful yeah. libraries out there if you like books yeah, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I think that's it. Look at us go. An hour yeah. and 14 minutes. This is the longest podcast we've had in a while.
2: Yeah. We spent well, a lot of time talking about cheese.
1: I mean, <laughs> welcome to the Top Cheese Podcast.
2: There you go. Big right. cheese.
1: Pack your knives and head on out. Bye. I love you. Bye. 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 Bye.